Hello, and thank you for joining the Journal of a New Generation podcast from Waverley Abbey. In this six-part series, we are exploring how we as followers of Jesus can respond and walk through the disorientating moments in our lives and in the complexity of today's culture by looking to the ancient paths of Jesus. Later in this episode, we'll hear from Pete Gregg, a pastor, author, and the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, who shares about the role of creativity and our pursuit of joy and play. That is not only our privilege as Christians, but a stance of defiance against the hopeless world, saying, whatever my context, I am going to experience God within the chaos. When I was a little boy, I was drawing a fox and no one could guess what it was. I remember crying and getting really upset about it because my three older siblings were creative in some way and I desperately wanted to be like them. One of my sister trained as an opera singer. One studied uh, to be a fashion designer and another was drawing something amazing all the time. But me, I couldn't even draw a fox. It's ridiculous. Growing up in the church though, for me, creativity was also something that seemed to occupy the same space all the time, whether it be musical worship or Christmas productions, maybe the AV team. There was something quite functional about creativity that I experienced in church. And when it comes to discipleship, I hardly heard about creativity mentioned. But when I take a step outside of my own frame of reference and look at the history of Christianity, it's really not that difficult to see that art, beauty, and creativity have always been interwoven with Christian spirituality throughout history. I'll be speaking with friends, old and new, who will be sharing their own experience of disorientation and how the ancient ways of Jesus that have stood the test of time, such as prayer, living missionally to share the good news of Jesus and embracing creativity, amongst other things, have helped place a guardrail in remaining faithful to Jesus Christ. I'll also be speaking and asking some of those burning questions to my friend and colleague, Jason Clark, the principal of Waverley Abbey College and a pastor of 25 years, but more importantly, someone I feel safe bringing these questions to. Jason, you've been a pastor for over 25 years and alongside being an academic and having gazillions of PhDs, you're also a musician and an artist. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, I played the violin in a national youth orchestra when I was younger and when I became a Christian, picked up the guitar and played that in church and yeah, musical. How can we understand creativity? Because that word is used a lot these days in lots of different contexts. So. Tell me, what does creativity actually mean for us as Christians? I think the first place to consider is who are we in our relationship with God? And what is creativity? And we were created beings who were meant to participate in God's creation. So at a simple level, Genesis tells us God didn't make a perfect world that was static and everything was done. He made a good world that was capable of being even better. And one of the ways to understand creativity is how we, with our gifting and abilities and callings and personality and our context, contribute to God's ongoing project in creation. That's one way to understand creativity. It's um, that we're doing something that is 
alongside God's participation in the world with him together. That's one way to understand it. Another way often we think about creativity is the, like you said, well, they're creative, I'm I'm not. Yeah. You know, I can't draw, you know. A fox. Only, a fox. A fox. <laughs> only, only creative people can do things well. Yeah. Um, and that's not the case. So again, if we know that doing, being creative is participating with God in something, that means anything can be creative. Um, so that, so that's, a, that's another one, uh, another dimension uh, to look at. Um, and then the third one is in terms of our spiritual formation and our relationship with God, you know, ourselves, there is an aspect of creativity of exploring how God made us, how we connect to him better in prayer, how we rest better, how we work better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that can be a, a way that we can understand dimensions of creativity. Okay, so they're wide and far-ranging. And I know, and we know, that Christianity and the kingdom of God is so much more than just the church. But the reality is most of us experience God and experience Christianity within the context of a local church. So growing up in the church, as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't very creative. I mean, it was mega awkward at times watching some of the creative pieces that was being done on stage. So my question is, how did it become that creativity was so narrowed within the church context? Yeah, again, depending on which part of church history you look at, there are times in history where, so if we understand, let's take creativity and talk about artistic expression right. in particular. Immense movements of some of the most stunning artistic works, sculpture, art, music, that were able to bear the weight of salvation and express it. And we get to look at those things and go, oh my goodness, they they move us into an experience of, of God. But then I think the risk is that we think all artistic expression in churches should be at that level. Right. You know, yeah. if you're not a Michelangelo, um, <laughs> uh, then, then, then it doesn't cut, cut the mustard. Um, and it's, I think you see two things going on in church. One is there can be a, and I'm not saying you're saying this, there can be a despising of creativity that can seem naff, right. but it is incredibly meaningful. Right. And then there are forms of artistic expression and creativity that really are naff mm. <laughs> and could be better. Do you, yeah. get, you get to see how both work? I agree. So what I mean, so my wife grew up, I didn't grow up in church. She grew up in church and they use, you know, um, you know, felt things, you know, for creatures and things from the Bible. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was state of the art. Now you could look at that and go, that was really naff compared to what we can do now. But but for my wife as a kid, you know, expressing the Bible stories, creatively using movement and images and stuff, it was it was immensely innovative and creative. And she remembers how that brought the stories of the Bible alive. But, you know, fast forward to today, if you're in an environment where, you know, not because of limitations, but lack of imagination, if that's the only thing you're doing, you've been doing it for, you know, 40, 50 years, it, it might become a little bit inane. There's probably one, uh, creativity is usually determined by your spirituality. Right. There are very different streams of spirituality in Christian history, some of whom have been incredibly suspicious 
of the artistic. Yeah. Um, and that's what you often see played out. You, yeah. can, you can tell a lot by a place when you go to it, by its worship, its aesthetics and aesthetics. Um, what's it expressing? Mm. So I remember being in Geneva, going into a Church of Scotland, you know, church, um, nothing in it. I mean, everything that you might connect to in terms of an image or feeling warm or welcome, it was so austere and it's well, meant to be. Okay. Um, uh, my wife grew up in uh, strict brethren churches. You go into a chapel, no windows. I mean, not not even able to look out a window as a, as a distraction. And then, you know, you can go to Rome and go around the Vatican and have, you know, art and other things everywhere. Yeah. So different Christian traditions have different expressions and confidence in the relationship between the creator and his creations making creations. So um, so there's probably something there um, when you get to churches and you go, well, why is it that way? Um, some things are that way because it actually expresses who those churches are. And that's not that's not bad. It's just it's just different. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it does. Limits yeah. is an interesting word for creativity. Because often um, it can be understood that creativity is about having no limits, mm. having no boundaries. And yeah. it's being able to push the boundary and going wherever you want with an artistic expression or an idea or a painting or whatever it may be. Yeah. So Talk to me a little bit about limits and creativity. What is the role of limitations within creativity? I mean, one of the ways I like to think it again, take this back, when I say theologically, in terms of connecting it to scripture and who God is and how he's made us. And fundamentally, creativity and uh, an artistic expression can be understood as acts of worship, yeah. expressing ourselves and identity, our place in the world and who we are and who God is. Um and fundamentally, it's a question of worship. That means the place of artistic expression for worship is to understand that God is God and we are not. That's the nature of worship. God is God, I am not. We might at first be making our meaning with right. things, yeah. with our flags, with our drawings, with our dry ice, with our LED screens, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever it is. But ultimately, the, the purpose of worship and the creativity through worship is to encounter God and know that he has made us and then for our artistic expressions to be more of what he wants to to do through us that's one way we can under, understand it I, I always get a bit apprehensive if if worship and artistic creativity becomes about my freedom to express whatever i want again however i want uh, so the so the principal limitation is you know no this is about encounter with God. Some limits are, are just really good. Um, there are places and spaces. You know, if I'm as a pastor bringing loads of people to church for Christmas for a service, you know, you want the music to be good, you want the lights to be good, you want the drama that that happens. And some things can be less so. You know, when the kids are up there making a mess, getting the lines wrong, it's cute and it, yep. and, it and it's fun. So so limitations are good. Mm. Doctor Zeus. You know, one of the little exercises he did was to see how he could write a story in as few words as possible. Right. And I forget which one it was, produced one of the most famous of his stories. Wow. Limitations are important for creativity. So limitations in who am I? I'm not God. Uh, and limitations in appropriate spaces and places and what we're trying to do. You probably should get an artist. <laughs> but you are an artist. You just said you're the violinist. Um, so... 
looking at the life of Jesus when he lived on this earth, um, what did creativity look like for Jesus? Because the, there, there are the obvious things about the life of Jesus that we can find. You know, he prayed. He hid away, took time away and prayed and spent time with the Lord. He ate with people and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but is creativity just a buzzword of this generation when it comes to spirituality? Or do we see creativity reflected in the life of Jesus. Yeah, we don't see Jesus playing a musical instrument. Not we that we know of. Yeah. Drawing. Um, well, uh, he did write in the sand, but I don't know if he was drawing the sin. Yeah. Or he knows he, what he drew. You words. know, he was he was a tecton, so you know, a carpenter, stonemason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so we know that he worked with his hands to create things. But you don't see in the gospels where he said, you know, made a, a model and said, hey guys, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Right. You know, he didn't he didn't do that. Yeah. But creativity generically Jesus uses words I think that was his principal expression wow. we know that yeah um was was a wordsmith people were constantly moved and amazed by the things he said how he said them uh, and prayed um so he was creative in the way that he prayed for people he was creative in the way that he spoke he was creative in the way he organized his everyday life and what he was doing uh he was creative in his conflicts um uh, you know well again not so much performance but going into the temple thinking that through going out making you know a, a whip and coming in and doing things we, we could see all of those as creative yeah. expressions yeah um, jesus did things that were similar to other people he would speak in ways that that connected and to people in other ways that they'd heard expressed before but he was also innovative so those are probably all ways we could understand Christ being creative. Yeah, there was something about the way he did things, like you said, the making the whip and entering the temple again. That went from complete cerebral, that became embodied into an action. And he went and did things that, that matched with the teachings of his. And, and again, for spirituality and faith and understanding, you know, Christ is fully human. And, it, and that's one of the things that we we miss, and this touches on spirituality in church and how we express it. If Christianity is just understanding facts, believing the right things, we miss the full expression of what it is to encounter Christ and the way that he encountered the Father. You know, he was fully embodied, he got tired, he got hungry, he had hormones, you know, he would have been excited, he would have been sad, would have yeah. been happy, uh, you know, fully embodied and expressed. And we see that with Jesus, how he's fully expressed as a, as a human being in his relationship with God. So I grew up in a in quite a conservative, strict Christian home. I'm Korean. And um, there was a time when actually I think um, Michael Jackson came onto our screen and my mum, I don't know what song it was, but it was a video, music yeah. video. And my mum was like, turn that off. That's, that's demonic. You've got to switch it off. And, um, and I kind of grew up in that tradition where you could only find God in the Bible or not even in some worship music, depending on who you were speaking to, right? It has to be like the, the hymns of the old written. Um, so when it comes to creativity, it obviously exists outside of the Christian realm. It exists outside of the church world. And there's loads of amazing artists, films, movies, songs, etc. So can we encounter God through uh, artistic materials written and drawn by non-Christians? 
I think so. Say so some church traditions would say no. So you saw the policing of that in your own experience. And, and some traditions still say no uh, in the way their spirituality is. But I think we can. An atheist can produce some of the most amazing music that can move us and, and lead us closer to God. Whether we're listening to something, looking at something, participating in something, if it leads us into a sense of God being God and me not and me becoming aware of him and me wanting to draw closer to him, that probably would be, that would be a litmus test from me. You right. know, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think on these things. Within that, that gives enormous amount of room, whether it's looking at creation itself, which, you know, reflects our creator, um, or things that God's creatures have created can express. You so know, there's something God. about not just the person who produced or created the artwork but the person watching reading listening it's yeah. processed through the spirit of god in me yeah. to then reflect actually this is the beauty of christ this is yeah. the wisdom of god the creativity yeah. seen in this painting this film etc yeah if you, if you accept that all human beings are made in the image of god and are image bearers of him in some way some more than others because they know god and, and others don't it shouldn't surprise us when some people created by god who don't acknowledge who god is still produce some of the most stunning they really things do, they, yeah. they point to the god that they don't believe in yeah um that, that yeah. shouldn't be unexpected that is the biggest irony i think i <laughs> i look at something or watch a film and then i walk away going wow that just reminded me of this aspect of who god is and the beauty of christ and the the kindness of god the writer probably that wasn't their intention in writing it and yet i'm walking away inspired and seeing God in the midst of it all. Yeah, absolutely. Creativity has this beautiful way of drawing us close to God. You spoke about encountering God yeah. through creativity, whether it be us producing or, or engaging with other creativity or the creativity of God, the creation, full stop. If we were to look at kind of making that a rhythm into our lives and moving from, oh, I walked I went for a walk and suddenly I was hit by the beauty of the woods and going, wow, God, you're amazing. And then living our lives too. How can we make rhythms where we can actively build in what we know to be good, which is to engage with God and to be aware of his presence through creativity? How can we do that on a practical basis? Life is so fast paced yeah. and it already has rhythms that we're captive to. The only question is, what are we captive to? Uh, and and it can be ironic. Sometimes we'll engage in something, have a connection with God, and know that that's fundamental to stir something in us, and then we never do it again until it happens by accident. So we've got to be intentional. Things like a rule of uh, a rule of faith and a rule of for life, of determining how has God made me, or as best as I know, here is something that when I do it helps me feel closer to who i am and how yeah. god made me yeah and then what we need to do is make that intentional yeah um we know that for the rest of life put it on the diary put it on the calendar yeah you know do it and then often we have to fight for that because the rest of life will crowd it out um and those things are so life-giving so again i keep mentioning my wife hers is flowers flowers are really important to her um in her rule of uh, rule of faith that she's written for herself in other words as a rule of faith is just what are the things i've decided with god that are important practices for me that i will do right arranging flowers when she does it it does something for her 
they're some of the most intense special moments she has as she does it and senses God's presence and wow. delight as she do it. And she's really good at it wow. as well. Wouldn't matter if she wasn't good at it, but 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 she is. For me, it's writing. You know, uh, I write things to try and help people, but I find if I don't sit down and find the time to write, something inside me gets squashed um, and under pressure and does but when I do you know and reading um, you know I just I flourish so I'm not just an academic because I like academics but reading does something you know there's rabbinical prayers you know may an hour in my reading be as an hour in prayer and and that's what we get to do and that's what's absolutely stunning about the spirituality of Christian formation in history is that music and art and care for the poor and writing and flower making and <laughs> tidying up you know yeah all these things can yeah. be activities that connect us to who god made us to be so becoming aware of where you are seeing life where you are seeing that burst of joy of encountering god and then saying well if this is bringing me so much closer to god and becoming more aware of him why don't i schedule it i'm in my 50s and a few years ago had an experience of Ignatian, Ignatian spiritual exercises and really simply they're just about you know spending time going through the gospel stories and contemplating and imagining moments of the life death and resurrection of Jesus and and it did something wonderful for me because I'm actually a very visual person right when I first became a Christian without anyone telling me anything um, I used to go running a lot and for some reason, when I went running, when I was 17 and I was, you know, escaping alcoholism and all the mess in my family, I would feel like Jesus was running with me. Wow. And I remember talking to some Christian friends and they're like, God doesn't work that way. God doesn't run, Jason. Jesus wouldn't go running with me. <laughs> you know, and, and I realized that got shut down at an early age. Right. Because it just, because someone said to you, that's not allowable. Yeah. And I've, I don't go running now. Wow. But I've discovered in my 50s that actually one of the ways that God made me to imagine him with me and him to be present with me, you know, I've rediscovered. So is that creativity? I don't know. It's just, it stops being creative. It just becomes who you are and your expression. So now I feel free to imagine Jesus being with me and wow. whatever I'm doing. That's beautiful. So that story and the one that you told about um, your wife Bev about flower arranging and they're all amazing places of personal encounter it's where you can meet with God and you can be shaped and have conversations and and you know for God to touch those deepest parts of you that you can't even articulate with words just by being with him in those creative ways what has that got to do with the broken world out there yeah such a good question. Oh, so many avenues. Let, let me just fill it down to, to, to one thought. If we are supposed to be participating with God as his, you know, created by him with his purposes in the world, and those aren't always utilitarian, you know, sometimes they're about social justice. But if we're talking about the renewal of all creation, yeah. that's what we see in scripture. We get, we get restored in Christ. He's the second Adam. There's this culmination where Christ will return and creation will be renewed. That's the vision for, for, for what we're doing. You know, our little bit might not seem like it, but when I'm practicing music or drawing something or arranging flowers, I'm participating in that cosmic project that God has. Uh, and again, for me, a litmus test of it would be 
does it draw me deeper into an experience of God? Um, and by that, I mean, I, I think the purpose of participating in God's renewal in creation, it should bring renewal to me and it should bring renewal to other people. Now, it's not something you can measure. You don't have to attach KPIs to it or how successful I was. <laughs> yeah. But am I being renewed? And and I think you and I know that. You've met people who in their expressions, they found a way to express who they are yeah. in this cosmic process of renewal and yeah. salvation and restoration. And they become more. And you see it in them and you want to spend time with them or you're inspired by them um, and captivated by them. I got to speak to Pete Gregg. And as you've been listening to this, you may be wondering, creativity is great. Lots of good stuff. But when we're going through a really difficult moment in our lives, what on earth has creativity got to do with it? And Pete shares his story about the role it plays, especially when we're going through a difficult time in our lives. Hey, Pete, how are you doing? Very good, Charlie. Nice to see you. You too. Thank you for joining me. Um, so over the last few weeks, I've been talking to some friends and uh, we've been thinking about and perhaps commiserating together the many, many didn't see that coming moments that we inevitably face in our lives. And you know, I've read your story. I've read your books. Obviously, I know you. We've spent some time together and I know you've had your fair few of whoa, that was a curveball I did not expect to have in your life. So I wanted to ask you um, about kind of those moments and, uh, and how creativity perhaps has been a way for you to work through those moments of, of unknowns in staying close to Jesus. You know, I, 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 I've read a lot and thought a lot about chaos theory. I find such hope in it because uh, it's the idea that actually chaos ultimately becomes beautiful patterns and that at the heart of all created matter is uh, the hand of uh, a, 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 an aesthetic deity who makes beauty um, and so you know we see that subatomic level I see it in my schedule on a daily basis I see it in the sin the, the, the strange um, fusion of sin and righteousness in my own life I see it in relationships with broken people. The curveball that people are most familiar with, if, if they come across any of my writings, any of my teaching, is, is around Sammy's um, chronic illness and the multiple times she's um, come close to dying. And um, suddenly everything goes out the window and you really have to um, uh, find out what's real and what's true and what's meaningful. And you've also just got to get through the day. You know, when you're met with those crisis moments, as big as your wife being so unwell, is creativity just one of these things that, you know, as Christians, we love to talk about and go, oh, you know, creativity is wonderful. It's a way to connect with God. What's been your actual experience of encountering God through creativity in those moments of crisis and real, yeah, really hard, difficult moments in your life? If we frame chaos and curveballs as moments of shock and trauma creativity is totally irrelevant um no no, no one at a you know, car crash says let me paint you a picture um you know the, 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 it's irrelevant but um when we're talking about how we live within a broken world and how we live well within uh, the mess of this world 
creativity becomes essential because you know arguably you know what does it mean to be made in the image of god well some of it is is um to do with moral sensibility uh but much of it is to do with the dignity of causality of being uh, celebrants of god's creativity which we are in a way that really none of the animals are and this is really personal for me at the moment charlie because you know i, I have uh, recently completed a, a, a long process of counseling and um you know, just wanted to um get a little bit of therapy do do a bit of talking therapy around um some of the areas of brokenness within me and i've chosen just to be very open about it i i'm sick and tired of the taboos around this stuff and um one of the interesting things that's come out of that is at one point the um my, my counselor said to me you know, you're one of the most creative people I've ever come across, but you've got this extraordinary sense of duty. And so you're always trying to you know, be dutiful and do the right thing. And she said, I think your sense of duty uh, is costing you your creativity and your creativity is actually to do with the way God has made you. And, it, and I realized that was kind of true because life's busy Um you, you know, there's always a lot to do, raising kids, you know, holding down a job, paying the bills, um, trying not to mess things up too much. Life's busy and it's very, very easy to put creativity on the back burner. And yet actually it, it helps us with the, the, the fundamental question of what is life for? You know, Chesterton said, yeah, we need priests um, to remind us that we're going to die, but we need poets to remind us why, why, why it matters that we're not dead yet. And so creativity is this extraordinary godlike capacity we have to um, say things often non-verbally um, and, and to contribute well. So I, 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 I was sort of tasked by my counsellor to really begin to ring-fence time for the playfulness of painting and poetry and um, so some of the areas of creativity that I'd, I'd let sleep. I try and channel a lot of my creativity into my passion for music and into my writing. Um, I, I'm grateful that many people come to me and say, you don't write like normal Christian authors write. You, you know, you use words we have to look up in a dictionary from time to time and you you, you don't always use cliches to, to say things. And I'm grateful for that because I really care about words. But the trouble with my writing is it's still kind of part of my duty, part of my job. And it's felt, um, if I'm honest, at times I feel a bit guilty. Um, it, 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 you know, if I'm carving out time just, to, just for example, to paint, I, I'm always aware there's 25 apparently more worthwhile things I could be doing with my time that would be helping other people in some way. And so I, I um, it feels kind of selfish, but my process of counselling has made me realise that actually it's part of not just something I like to do, but the way God has made me. And therefore, I, I, my, my, my worshipful self needs to prioritise that, that space. Does mm. that make sense? Wow. Yeah, perfect sense. So when you were having those sessions with your therapist and, and they reminded you of the fact that, you know, they said, you're one of the most creative people I know, Pete. When they said that, did it ring true for you? Or was there a question of, huh, 
I didn't really see myself that way. Has, has creativity always been something you saw as it's part of who I am? Or has it been something you've had to develop and grow into and familiarize yourself with? No, I, I, I know that I'm creative. And um, I mean, it is interesting, you know, at the age of 17, my big decision was whether to go to art college or whether to go and do something more serious, which ended <laughs> up being theology and sociology at university. And for a number of really shallow reasons, I ended up not doing art college. But that's always been a deep, deep part of who I am. And um, over the, you know, uh, whatever it's been, 30 years of leadership, Christian leadership, I've had to get good at being organized, being strategic, making decisions, probably a bit too good at those things. Uh, I've become a little A-type when it exhausts me, but I can do it. And um, But most of my friends would say, we, we, we prefer kind of, you know, hippie Pete. We prefer creative Pete. We prefer the Pete who doesn't give a stuff about the schedule, but we'll just talk all night about something and, and you know, we'll light a fire and listen to music and, and, and unpack the melody. And we prefer that. And I think at my best, that probably is, is who I am. So I, I think I'm trying to reconnect with some of that, Charlie. One caveat I want to put on this is the problem is, and I, I hit this with people all around the world, they box themselves as non-creative. Yes, I was and, going to get to that. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's, non, it's just nonsense. I mean, the, the way you, you, you set the table, the, the clothes you do or don't choose to wear in the morning, the word you do or don't choose to use you know, your, your appreciation of music, even if it's, you know, terrible music, in my view, um, your, your love of cinema, um, your love of different flavors, these are all ways of celebrating God's creativity. And theologically, um, I would say, um, you know, and it's one of the reasons when we, with, with, you know, with the order of the mustard seed, when we were working out the six practices, you know, one of them is creativity, and we cycle through that regularly with the order with the Lectio three six five now. Um, and perhaps creativity was one of the more controversial ones to have uh, in there. Things like prayer and mission and justice are pretty obvious, but but theologically, the very first thing we ever find out about God is that He's a creator. In the beginning, God made. Before we know anything else about God, we know that He is a maker of stuff. Uh, he is a bringer of order. And um, so, so so it's interesting to me that the Jews feel very uncomfortable with, the, with, with people talking about being creative. They would say, no, no, no one can be creative. We can only, only God is a creator. We, what we get to do is celebrate the creativity of God. And I rather like that because uh, most of the great rock stars, you know, the great painters, when you read their biographies, they ultimately come to a place where they either self-destruct. If they believe that their creativity is within themselves, um, it's too much pressure because what happens if they can't produce another great album? You know, uh, uh, and so they self-destruct because um, they either end up worshipping themselves, right, because the creativity is inside themselves, or doubting themselves 
and and relying on drugs and everything else to try and you know make themselves better than they really are and so we have the long tedious tragic story of self-destruct amongst, amongst artists but the ones who are healthier eventually realize creativity is not so much something within me it's something that comes from outside now they may not all be christians but they'll often talk about the muse they'll often talk about inspiration coming out of the wall uh, stephen king the writer talks about writing as excavating something that's already there in the soil and so all of them in some senses are, are externalizing creativity um and and seeing themselves almost shamanistically as those who then lay hold of that creativity and use it for something. And I believe as Christians, uh, Judeo-Christians, we should say a big fat yes and amen to that. We'd say that is, that is God the creator. And to be filled with his spirit is to be filled with the spirit of creativity. And, and so if our expressions of church are utilitarian, uh, if we're too efficient in all that we do, um, if we neglect beauty uh, in the way that we do what we do, then we are failing to be godlike. And in fact, we're probably using God to do something that is very subhuman. So I like this idea of creativity as celebrating who God is. And I think one of the implications is no one gets off the hook. We're all called <laughs> to live cre as creatively as we can. Yeah. I loved what you said about every decision making you know you gave an example of you know when you choose what song you're going to listen to what film you're going to see and what i heard from that was every time you have a choice to make there's an opportunity to live creatively and whenever you make a decision that is an act of being creative right because you're choosing something you're choosing preference you're choosing what you find to be attractive beautiful drawn to and that just is such an empowering way of looking at creativity as something of God's given you choice and decision-making. And so what will you choose? Will you choose to engage? And that's, that's really, really beautiful. I love yeah. that. And I think, I think wow. part of our contribution to the world is to say something meaningful and cliche by definition isn't meaningful. It's just, you know, it's hamster wheel stuff. How do I say, you know, I wrote a poem on the wall of the first prayer room you know, that, that deliberately didn't use religious terminology. It talked about having a blood transfusion with Jesus, for example, instead of the blood of the lamb. Um, and, it, 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 you know, it said, you know, they, they write their addresses in pencil. Everyone understands what that means. But, I was, you know, these, this, this is not language that you traditionally find around Christians. And it resonated. I mean, that poem got out of the prayer room somehow and it spread all over the world and DJs ended up remixing it and and all the rest of it and and I think you know if we're going to try and say something meaningful what we have to do is find out what is true of course if you're if, if you get if you've got rid of any notion of God and therefore you don't have a creator but you are someone who wants to be creative then by definition your creativity is going to be nihilistic because if you don't believe there's a creator and you're just an animal and life is meaningless, then there's no difference between a pile of bricks uh, in an art gallery and uh, you, and the Mona Lisa. There's no difference. It's all, it's yes. all meaningless. I mean, it's <laughs> philosophically, which is yeah. why so much modern art, because it's rooted in atheism, is nihilistic. It ends up saying nothing. It's my profound statement is there is nothing profound to be said. But if we are rooted in some notion of, of truth, 
i.e. we believe that no matter how you play around with the jazz, there are principles that hold it together. There is order that holds the chaos together, beauty that comes out of that. If we believe that there is some objective truth, the question is, how are we going to use our words to speak about it in a way that will wake people up and not send people to sleep? How are we going to use paint on a canvas? How are we going to use the clothes that we wear, the food that we prepare to say something? That is that that wakes people and humanizes the people and brings out the flavor in the world, and um, it seems to me that's a, that that's an important thing to do because if there is truth, it needs to be spoken well. But it's also a joyful thing to do. Ultimately, creativity is about play, and anyone who says, "Well, I don't have time to play," ha- you know, you know, needs to hear the words of Jesus saying, "Unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom." Um, so there's something about play, about pace of life, about engaging the whole of the brain, not just the frontal cortex. It's about rules and language and logic uh, and worshipping God with all of who we are. Uh, And it's noticeable that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, he didn't do what most charismatic Christians would do and say, I've got a picture of a donkey, (laughs) you know, and by the way, in case any of you are stupid, it refers to this Bible passage. He got a stinky, scratchy donkey, rode it into Jerusalem and never explained it to a single soul. He just did it. And so the Bible is full of enactment. And then he said something that's very rock and roll. When, when the Pharisees tried to rebuke the crowds for shouting Hosanna, he says, if they shut up, the rocks themselves will cry out. And so... Again, he's speaking in poetry. I don't think he literally means that rocks will start to speak, but he's saying that the very uh, parts of our culture that are dead in sin will begin to declare the coming of the king. And that's why we often see God and hear God in culture that, that wouldn't call itself Christian, but they can't help but point back towards the creator. Okay, well, I'm convinced. I mean, I'm convinced that creativity is... Is, is who God is. It's part of it. It's part of our very being. And, you know, it's so good that you kind of hit that nail on the head when people will say, well, I'm just not a creative person. I mean, we've all had people say that to us, right? And I'm sure I've said it to myself a number of times. Um, so if we were to bring this into a real life situation, I mean, you know, you're a pastor, you, you help lead a movement, you write books, you're a father, you're a husband, you, you have a dog, you have a house to look after, you've, you've got a busy life, right? So you understand life on this earth. You're not someone who just lives in this um, ethereal world of like, oh, everything's different for me. You live in the real life and you're very busy. And we spoke about when Sammy became unwell. So in those moments... What does, what does creativity look like when you feel like God is, I mean, you wrote a book, beautiful book called God on Mute. And so when God is on mute and you can't see him and it's foggy as anything and you're wondering, I am just spent and I'm broken. How can creativity be something that we build into our lives in the moments of strength so that when things get difficult, we can continue to connect with this beautiful creator God? Well, I mean, you know, if we're getting back into the space of shock and trauma, um, I think creativity in its, its traditional narrowest sense is pretty irrelevant in those times. I mean, I think, um, you, you, you know, um, one of the reasons I didn't go to art school 
was my art teacher said that at an interview I might be asked this question. If um, a hospital was burning down and an art gallery is burning down, which would you save? And she said to me, I don't know if this is still true, that really they only gave places to those who said they would save the art gallery. And, um, you know, I want to say fundamentally that whilst I, as you've heard, am passionate about creativity, um, there's more. But, um, so, so what I'm not saying is I made space to, you know, paint pictures when, you know, one of our kids was waking every two hours and Sammy was in and out of hospital. I, I barely... <laughs> I barely knew what I used to say. If I'm wearing my trousers, that's a success. Everything else is a bonus. I don't want to sound um, twee here, but here's what I would say is even in those times, there is the space within us to live as a celebrant of God's goodness. And I want to suggest that actually that's the most punk rock thing you can do when you're facing trauma um so you know my mother right now is in a nursing home just down the road from where i'm talking to you unable to speak having had a massive stroke and um you know i can take her flowers and last time i was there there was a stupid straw hat in the corner and i put it on and goofed around and i remember in the hospital visiting Sammy sometimes I might just go to the you know cheap old cafe but order myself some chocolate cake and really savor the flavors and um and very deliberately see the patterns of God and the beauty of God amidst the pain and so if you ask me to resolve the conflict within this statement I can't the statement would be God did not stop Sammy's seizures and did not supernaturally remove the brain tumor from her head. And yet he sent Christian nurses at just the right time. And one time when I was at the end of it, a card came through the post from a random church in Sheffield sending their love. And time after time, a Bible verse would jump out and speak into our predicament in a way that was meaningful and life-giving and so I experienced God within the chaos as a force for good and for beauty and for hope even though my situation was not one that he was ostensibly resolving and so I think there is something defiant about saying whatever my context I'm going to live as one who believes that there is um, the life, th that I'm called to be a celebrant of life. Maybe that's creativity at its simplest. Love that. I mean, I don't need a Bible. Yeah, I don't need a Bible verse for, you know, liking, you know, uh, you know, certain, certain, you know, tastes or, um, yeah, I, I, I just, just if I can do it for the glory of God, then it is redeemed. And so um, th this is a much, much bigger view of life. Really, Charlie, at heart, theologically, this is about 
a sacramental view of life that sees God's presence in matter, um, doesn't try and get rid of matter so that our church buildings, you know, you get, especially in America, church buildings in stunning locations that have no windows because they want to make sure that they can use good video projectors. And then sometimes they project pictures of beautiful scenes onto their screens instead of having a window that looks out at the beauty of the city skyscape or the mountains outside and that contextualizes the worshippers in seasons. You know, it's raining today. Maybe that should affect the way we work. Maybe we shouldn't shut all of that out. And uh, Protestants in particular, because because of our complex relationship with um, the Enlightenment of the 18th century and the way the Reformation intertwined with that, um, tend to have a very cerebral and utilitarian faith. And often the Orthodox and Catholics are much better at understanding the importance of symbol and of sacrament and of creativity in our world. I wonder if you can speak to um, if there are any habits or uh, repetitions you've done over the years, you know, being able to notice the beauty of God all around us. It's, it's, it's a training, right? It's something that we train our minds and our hearts to do on a regular basis. And so I know where my bedroom is um, in my house because I've gone to that place so many times. I can do it with my eyes closed. Um, and so are there things that you do or you have done that's helped you to continue to notice the beauty and to be a celebrant in the midst of all seasons of life? Um, yes, yeah, switch, switch off your cell phone. <laughs> Good one. Um, yeah. I, th I think the first one is, I like that phrase, the practice of gratitude, the practice of gratitude, because I do believe that gratitude is something one practices. I heard a story about a man who'd been in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And when eventually he got out, he took up a shower, a hot shower. And he said, I just wept uncontrollably at the experience of taking a warm shower. And then of course, we all get to this place where we wake up in the morning, stumble into the shower and barely register it as a blessing. And so I think that thing of continually hijacking our senses and waking ourselves up to the wonder of the present moment um, is is critical. Contemplative prayer is one of the keys to that because it helps us slow down and be present. Um, certain people are just contagiously um, present and joyful. And by being around them, I celebrate life more. Um, dealing with sin, I mean, the greatest um, distractor and destroyer of life is just sin. And and there's nothing more compelling and beautiful and alive than someone who's walking in righteousness. And so, um, you know, I, I like what um, the jazz the jazz critic and theologian Hans Ruckemacher said. He said, Christ did not die to make us Christian. He died to make us human. And so that there's something about the death of Christ and about 
salvation, forgiveness of sins that makes us more fully human. And um, so, 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 so deal with sin, you know, in a disciplined way, contemplative prayer, be around people uh, who, who are good for you. And the final thing I, I would say is, you know, Charlie, and this really brings the two themes of this conversation together into one. You know, suffering is inevitable in life. No one's immune. Even if you've had an amazing, amazing, easy life thus far, you will suffer. But joy is not inevitable. We all know people who've gone through most of their lives with very little joy. And the mistake Christians often make is they think their job is to go after suffering. <laughs> Listen, that stuff will chase you down and bite your ass. Yeah. You know, your, your sworn duty as a follower of Jesus is to go after joy, uh, pursue joy. And, and maybe that even gets to the heart of the Apostle Paul saying, rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice that there's something about uh the joy of the present moment finding god in the present moment i mean what could be more incredible than us talking right now the way we're talking um using the technology we're using um, the gift of being sentient beings in this unbelievably beautiful universe and so um the gift of God, I think, is to wake us up to all of that, uh, that we might live with joy and thereby rebound joy to God. Rejoice, that's worship. So, you know, one Russian Orthodox um, mystic said, the Holy Spirit turns to joy everything he touches. Um, and I, I think that that's intrinsically where the, the place of suffering, the place of joy come together. Beautiful. Pete, thank you so, so much. It's been so rich talking to you and hearing your experiences and your wisdom. And I love that we started out with creativity and kind of demystifying what creativity is. And people say, I'm not creative, but ending with actually it's, it's part of celebrating life, celebrating God and celebrating life and finding beauty in the everyday, not just waiting but looking at God and saying, this is good, you're good. I'm in a good place and living through that. So that's been amazing. Thank you so much, Pete. You might not feel creative, but you were created in the image of God. As Jason reminded us, creativity is simply engaging with and participating in God's creation, something we can all do. And when we do this, we can find meaning in the midst of our own chaos and express the beauty and redemption of God to the world around us. This podcast was brought to you by the supporters of Waverley Abbey. And you can find out more at waverleyabbey.org. Don't forget to subscribe, review and share this podcast.